So we're blessed we get to have Ben with us, and not only Ben, but Rachel and Noah here with us. Um, for those of you who don't know, Ben is actually my brother-in-law. So he, he and his family are serving in um, overseas and with World Outreach International, which is a missions organization that works specifically with unreached people groups. So people who don't have any kind of witness of Jesus in their culture, um, or if they do have it, it's very, very limited. So um, believe it or not, and he'll probably say a lot about this, there are many places in the world that have not heard of Jesus. So I even had that experience once when I was getting my nails done right here in Sandy with someone who had never heard of Jesus. I was like, what? How's this happened? So um, we're really thankful to support what they do there and that missions organization, because we want people to know the name of Jesus and what Jesus has done. And um, so we're just really blessed to have Ben with us. So let's welcome Ben, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Nice to see y'all. There seems the feedback gone? Yep, good. Well, I'm excited to be here with you guys today. Um, really glad to be here. Uh, as, Ra as Rachel, as, as Sarah said, um, we are with World Outreach. We've been with them for almost 20 years now, living in Southeast Asia primarily, but with a kind of more global roles over the last few years. And we're focused on unreached pe people groups and really that's our passion. That's our desire. And we see that's the scripture. But um, we're thankful for you guys as a community, as a family. Um, it was fun today. You know, my niece is leading worship. My daughter's singing. My father-in-law is playing guitar. My sister-in-law is the pastor. And uh, it's fun to see it as kind of as a, as a family. And this is part of our family. And we are, feel very much at home. And we're really grateful. Didn't think I was going to cry, but grateful for you guys as a community it's been it's been a rough two years for so many people around the world and we know we have you guys your support and your backing and how you welcome Lydia into the community and been with her and supported her and it's just it's awesome um we're very privileged and very grateful grateful for the church and partnering into missions and continuing to sow into missions and continuing to sow the gospel and prayer and resources into seeing God's kingdom come on earth as is in heaven, to seeing unreached people, you know, two million, two billion plus people who have no access to the gospel, no witness amongst them, and, you know, continue sowing into that and supporting it. So we're truly grateful for this church and what it's done. It's been fun also to listen to the sermons over the last 18 months and just stories of Jesus, stories of your faith community is how you're living out your daily walk. Um, I love the last one about the book of James. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible and walking in wisdom. And I'm a very pragmatic person, if you know me. And um, I love James for that reason. It's just straightforward and simple. So I felt like the Lord gave me a word as soon as Sarah kind of invited me to speak um, when she came. So let me just pray and then I'm going to get just kind of get into it. Lord, we thank you for this time to gather, together as family, together as your children, together as your people who are loved deeply by you. 
God, we pray that you continue to increase our hearts for the loss, for the people that you love, for you. God, I pray as I bring this word this morning and these stories that they would speak life, they would speak truth, that they would honor you and glorify you and they would edify each one of us. So just be with us in Jesus' name, I pray. So it's an interesting time of year, this transition to the start of a new year. We've just closed out the Christmas season and I was thinking about Advent and um, I mean, what it means for celebrating Christmas and Jesus coming, you know, the gift, Emmanuel, God with us. And one of my favorite songs at Christmas is O Holy Night and that verse that says, long lay the world in sin and air pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope for the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Till he appears, Jesus, and the soul finds its worth. Many of us in this room have walked with Jesus for a long time. We've known Emmanuel, God with us. We've experienced it. We've had our spirit, our soul come alive. We've begun to find worth. And I find that's like, that's one of these verses that every time I sing it, it reminds me. And I think one of the things that we forget oftentimes is what does it mean to be without hope? What does it mean to be without life? What does it mean to know that your life, the worth of life, the things that Christ has put into you? And now as followers of Jesus, we get to know this life. We get to know this experience. And it sometimes gets lost on us. And I hope today that we're going to talk about some of this life. We're going to talk about some of this hope. But we're also going to hopefully talk about what this means for us in this new season. You know, for the whole month of December, you sang a song. And I'm just going to read the lyrics quickly to us about how far love goes. And it's about Jesus. And it says, you gave up a throne for a manger, traded a crown for a cross, laid down your life for a stranger and for all who were broken and lost. You came down from the heavens so we would know how deep, how high, how long, and how wide, and how far love goes. You went to the darkest of places, walked down the loneliest roads. You looked into lost, empty faces and told us we're never alone. You came down from the heavens so we would know how deep, how high, how long, and how wide, and how far love goes. To the ends of the earth you have been you have been, you have searched for the one so far from home. Jesus, you paid the price. What a great sacrifice you have made to call us your own. And I thought those verses, that was, I mean, it's such a great description of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And it's also a great description of kind of missions in general and the things that we're talking about in the missions world. Missions require self-sacrifice denying ourselves, it requires the searching out for lost people, Inquired, it requires a willingness to embrace hardship and suffering. It requires engaging people where they're at. And it, that's kind of where I want to start is, is around this idea of where are people at? But I actually want to start just before that, coming back to us. So when I was thinking about this, um, Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2 is what um, 
just kind of jumped into me as I read it. And then I was thinking and praying about where, what to share with. And it says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walk in the way of love is, would be kind of the, the title of this sermon. This, this, and I think it's the theme that I would like to challenge us for 2022 is how do we walk in the way of love? This passage is actually sit right here in the middle of Ephesians near the end of the book. The beginning talks about being a new creation. Ephesians 2 talks about how that we were created for good works. Ephesians 3 is being a new creation. Ephesians 4 talks about how to live in community and how to live with one another. And I found it, it's interesting, verse 25, um, so verse 24 says, and to put, off the, put on a new self created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. And then he lists about this, these things of that we shouldn't engage in and the things that we should engage in. And he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God forgave you. And then it, then it comes into that verse of Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. And then it carries on into some more verses about walking in a relationship with God, putting away sexual morality, putting away sin, putting away your new, that old nature and walking into a new nature of who God is for us. And so the first theme I kind of want to just kind of put out for us today is walking in intimacy and relationship with God in our new identity um, that God has for us. And we come back to Ephesians 5. It says, follow God's example. What's God's example for us? God's example is this sacrifice, is this giving of himself. It's a giving of Jesus, his only son, because he loves the world so much. He loves all people so much. And then the next verses or the next phrase is dearly loved children. That's who we are. That's our position. We are God's children. We're in his family. We are committed to him. We are loved. We've been bought. We've been redeemed. We've been adopted back into his family. And, you know, you, when you look at children and you look at parents, you often see the, a, a resemblance, right? There's that mimicking. There's an, an imitating. And that's what he's trying to get here, Paul, is children, God's children, follow his example. Be like him. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and he gave himself up. So how do we do this? How do we give ourselves up? How do we walk and, and live and love as Christ loved us? This verse is connected in the previous um, chapter four about walking in forgiveness and forgiving one another and introducing people into forgiveness. And, and as Christ loved, therefore we are supposed to love. And so I want to carry on with a few more thoughts on this so i don't know if anybody we watched the rose bowl yesterday sorry you fans of how that turned out um but i think actually it's a great example of what we're going to talk about because of missions um so when we talk about missions everybody likes to hear the highlight stories the big games that 97 yard run to get the touchdown that happened you know it's all exciting every jumps you, and it's great and we want to celebrate those things but then you kind of go around to the second half of the game yesterday and um, we saw fundamentals win out. 
we see big plays, we see big game, you know, breaking plays and all this stuff, but we see fundamentals. So someone asked, um, why does the, the, the Ohio Buckeyes continually run this same play? It's just like a little, um, to be honest, the last football game I watched was in 2011 until yesterday. So um, it was kind of like a little short slant pass play just right over the top, just dumped it. The guy caught it and would run 10, 15 yards. And, and Caleb said, they're just doing the fundamentals. That's what they're doing. And today I want to, we need to celebrate the fundamentals so much more in our walk with God. And so I'm going to tell some stories that are exciting, but most of these stories are actually based in 20, 30 years of just walking faithfully in God, doing the same thing over and over again. So fundamentals matter. And so we're going to step back to fundamentals. And the first one comes to Matthew 22, 36 through 40, the great commandments. You know, one of the teachers asked of Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We have to love God. We have to put God first. We have to continue to seek him. Love him with our hearts. Love him with our soul. And love him with our minds. We have to be truly focused on him. And then we have to love others. That's the simplicity of the gospel right there. Love God, love others. Um, can you go to that next slide? So here's a family, um, Eugene and Tina. They, for 20, 30 years, worked away in Mozambique. They've seen hundreds of churches started in Mozambique. They're now back in South Africa. They live on the border between Mozambique and South Africa. And over this last two years, there's been riots, there's been death, there's been, they work with some migrant communities that are Mozambican, and um, they've been had people kicked off their lands, beaten by police, um, a variety of things. And they continue to plant the church, they continue to disciple people and to see the, the, the church grow. And over this last year, their work in Mozambique, they planted through their, their leadership team there that they've raised up, they've planted another 20 churches. But in this village where they're living now, they've had to, they've started two new churches over the last year, about 20, 30 people, each church, new believers, migrants who are coming in. And I just got their newsletter the other day and it was like, they wrote this and I thought it was so good for them. We have been near neighbors to death, disease, disaster, and surprising difficulties, but God is still the same, still on the throne, and no matter what our personal, emotional, physical, mental state may be like, we continue to trust in him, continue to have faith, and we draw near to worship him. 20, 30 years in missions, walking with God, self-sacrifice, he's been beaten, they've had team members thrown in jail, all these sorts of things, and they continue to draw close and to worship him. That's where it starts from worshiping him. And out of that, we conform to his image. We conform to his likeness. We begin to understand who he is. And we begin to love others. John 15 is again, just coming back to the fundamentals. I'm the true vine. Actually, I won't read it all, but you know, it's the vine keeper. It's the story of Jesus being the vine keeper and we need to be in him. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Can you go to the next slide, please? 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. One of the things that we talk about a lot is developing our intimacy with God so that we can do something, so we can bear fruit that he's called us to do. So I want to ask you, how are you developing your intimacy with God? How are you bearing, positioning yourself to receive, to nurture, to strengthen your soul and your spirit so that you can bear the fruit that God has called you to do? You can live a life that will bring glory to him and that you show yourself to be his disciples. Can you go to the next slide, Caleb, please? So Jesus continues to command here in verse 12, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for our friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. And the next slide, please. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and pointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. So the second kind of point is loving God, but we love God love others, but become a friend of God. Becoming a friend of God requires time with God. It requires nurturing this relationship. And it changes when we're friends with God compared to being servants of God. And yes, we are servants and we are called to serve and to love, but there's an intimacy level that Jesus is describing in here that I have shared things with you. Most of us still are I think we have to continue to ask, God, what are you sharing with me that I'm supposed to go do? What are, I, what are you showing me that's for me to go so that I can bear fruit, so that I can love others, so that I can show that I am my, your disciple by the love for each other? Can you go to the next slide, please? So here's some stories. Sorry, the picture didn't actually come out too clear. Um, the, the woman in the orange shirt at the top photo her name is Helen. She's the, from the Philippines, and she's been living in Burkina Faso for about 10 years now. Um, she's been diligently working in this country, sharing the love of Jesus with others. I don't know if you know much about what's going on in Burkina Faso over the last three to five years, but there's been major military insurgencies up in the north. Um, the churches that Helen and, and Joseph and the, our other partners have been burned. People have been killed. Um, just last month, there's about 90 people that were killed in the, in the villages in the north. And yet they continue to remain steadfast in the call that God's called them to. Helen runs several different programs. Um, she provides education and schooling for, for the children as they've moved in from the out in the exterior of the nation where the, the insurgencies are taking place to Ouagadougou, the capital, been helping with education, with running children's programs. They've trained about 800 children's leaders last year. Um, and then they're supporting evangelistic growth amongst UPGs, the people groups that they work with are UPGs and 
they train uh, pastors and leaders to send them out. Um, the guy in the blue is a, is a local pastor that they work with and support and encourage. And so they stay in the face of hardship. They stay in the face of trials and difficulties, and they demonstrate love for others because God has loved them. The next slide, please. The upper left on this one is Miriam. Miriam's worked in Mozambique for about 30 years. She teaches natural health, and um, she sets up health clinics throughout the country, working and discipling people in um, the natural health, serving the poor and the community around them. Again, personal sacrifice, hardship, because of a love for Jesus and to love others. Both of these nations are facing mass refugee issues and crises of people movements as um, terrorism and civil war and um, threats of life are becoming daily part of the landscape there in these countries. And yet they remain because of Christ's love and that sacrifice. And they love others well. Go to that next slide for me, please. So speaking of Ephesians 5, the Bible commentaries write, say about this, as with Christ, so with us, self-sacrificial self love is a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It is thus a striking truth that sacrificial love for others becomes a sacrifice acceptable to God. That was a really interesting thing. As we talk about Ephesians 5 and how do we walk out the way of love and Christ's sacrifice for us, John 10 says that he came to bring life, but in that he's talking about being the shepherd and a, not a hired shepherd, but a shepherd who loves the sheep, who knows the sheep and who lays down his life for the sheep. I wonder how many of us are challenged to lay down our lives. What, what does it mean for us to lay down our lives? What does it mean for us to live a sacrificial way, just as Christ lived a sacrificial life for us? It can truly become a fragrant sacrifice to God when we lay down ourselves, our own lives, for the benefit of others. Another significant theme that I want to highlight after loving God, loving others, is seeking the lost. There's so many passages that we know that you know, God sent Jesus to earth to seek and save the lost. You know, to become that sacrifice for us. Uh, Luke 15, there's the three parables there. The first one starts with the lost sheep and, and, and the shepherd who's, you know, 99 of his, his sheep goes off and 99 are there, but the one is left, is lost. So he goes and seeks it out. And he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The next one, please. And the next parable is the, the older woman who lost a coin and she searches high and low to find this coin. And when she finds it, she gathers her friends and neighbors together and say, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then the last parable of this chapter is the parable of the lost son which were often called the prodigal son about the son who goes away and he comes back and the father says this in verse 23 when he comes back bring the fattened calf and kill it let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead 
and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Let us develop a heart for the lost, a lifestyle that seeks out those who are, who are lost, who have no hope, who have no true life, who do not know Jesus. We need to celebrate and rejoice in those times. We need to put it on our hearts. We need to ask God to expand our hearts for the lost. But we need to be intentional about that. And um, this is coming back to the fundamentals again, going out. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. The, the evangelistic lifestyle of sharing the gospel with people. So at the beginning, I'm not really good with dates at the moment. Um, just before COVID, January 2020, Tom and Bryson, they went to Indonesia. And I was fortunate enough that we could plan the trip and we got to meet up there. And they went and worked with this couple named Jack and Asha. And they actually went and they walked and they helped build uh, trails in the hill region to connect villages for this team that works there. Which is, um, they, this team leads a, a, an internship program called Walk, Talk, Pray. And um, that's what they do. They go and they walk these trails to seek out the lost. They start talking to people who invite them into their homes or under the shack in the jungle or below the tree and gives them tea. And then they pray for people. Um, can you go to the next slide, please? And so over the last um, 18 months of COVID, we have seen tremendous fruit as they've gone into this place that there was very limited fruit for many years. And um, they've been walking, talking, and praying intentionally multiple times a week, going out and seeking those who are lost. So they're here in this picture, uh, the woman being baptized, um, is being baptized by her friend on the left, my left, um, the woman wearing the hijab. So Asha, the woman at the forefront of this photo, was walking and talking and praying through these villages on the trails that Tom and Bryson helped um, build. And this woman, they would meet with her quite regularly and tell her Bible stories and just sit, and sit around and drink tea and tell stories of Jesus until they invited her to come to faith. And then she came to faith and said, I believe, and they baptized. And then they started challenging her. Who are you going to tell these stories to? So she started telling the stories to this woman in the yellow shirt. And then she started to believe and they were baptized. The next story, same, same place, same people, walking, talking, same situation, sitting, telling stories of Jesus, spending time with people and inviting people into a relationship. Do you believe this? These stories that you've heard of Jesus, do you believe this? And so they baptized another person. Over the last, I'd say, year, they've started about a dozen house churches. Over the previous years, they might start one a year. It's been amazing what God has been doing over the faithfulness that they've, they've been there for about 10 years, regularly sowing, multiple times a week, walking these village trails, walking, talking, and praying. But they've also done more than that. They bring internships, as I said, and they bring, inspire others. So can you go to the next slide for me, please? Top left, the girl in the, the blue, her name is Ilsa. She went through one of these walk, talk, 
Pray internships. And she's now joined uh, World Outreach as a, as a mission partner there. And the picture on the left side is a little girl named Rosie. And back in, so in April, uh, Ilsa started walking with Rosie and start sharing with her and talking about it. And she wrote this just, just this week, I got this email. Um, this, back in April, when I just began my ministry, her response to my statement that Jesus died was, but he did not die. This is common amongst the Muslims as they have been taught that he never died, not on the cross, not anywhere else. But since we began studying the stories from the Bible, from the creation, the fall, the story of prophets and Jesus, her faith began to grow. She shares these stories to her friends at school. She prays and God answers. Sometimes God even uses her to remind me not to worry. Every time I go up north, she will tell me another prayer that God answers that week. Rosie, her mom, and her dad have been studying the word with me almost weekly, and they have been experiencing God work in their lives. Three weeks before Christmas, while Rosie, her mother, and I were talking about my trip to Jakarta, the previous month, they asked me a very important question. You could have worked and made a lot of money like your friends had you gone and worked in Jakarta. Why do you do this here instead? I felt that the time was right. The time had come for me to share who Jesus is and why he was born. I shared with them my testimony and how God transformed me from my old sinful life. How I came to personally know and believe God's love through Jesus. How he, as the holy sacrifice, died on my behalf, my sins, so I can come to God, the Father, directly. And how all that transformed my desire and ambition from self-centeredness and personal gain to God-focused, loving and serving others. And then I asked them, referring to the stories from the Old Testament that we have studied, do you believe this? Do you believe God sent Jesus like how he sent the lamb for Abraham? Do you believe God's way to salvation through Jesus the same way Noah believed God's only way to be saved was by the ark through faith? They said they do. We end up talking about Jesus that night as you, and they, they've been praying and planting and they're ready for these faith to grow to repentance and transformation. To me, this is an exciting story in the sense that Ilsa walked with Jack and Asha for a season of time, learning to walk, talk, and pray. Now she goes around and tells these same stories of Jesus, the Old Testament stories, and she's seen lives changed and transformed. You can see the family there in the middle um, Rosie is wearing her hijab. It's a Muslim family and they still come. But now as they spend time with people and they ask the question, do you believe these things? We see that people come to faith. We see people being born into the family of God. So I want to ask us, how often do we sit and talk and tell the stories of Jesus to others? How often do we invite people do you believe? So the thing is, it has to be intentional. Most of us live our lives and we want to not be too bold or too mean or too abrupt. But at some point, we have to ask that question. Do you also believe this? And invite them to walk as children of God, to be adopted into the family. 
So I pray for us that our, the Lord would increase our hearts and our passion for the lost. The, the next point I want to talk about um, is practicing hospitality. This is, I've been thinking about this quite a lot in this area that I want to grow in this year, but I was, um, I was thinking about it from the context of scripture and being like Jesus. So I have both my mother and my mother-in-law here this morning, and both of these women are fantastic examples of being hospitable and opening their homes to whoever, whenever, um, whether it's there's never been a time where there wasn't enough chairs at the table where someone was not welcomed. They always open their doors and it's amazing um, to see the fruit of that. And we know people in this community that have been welcomed into the community by sitting at their tables. Um, the writers of Hebrews talks to us about practice hospitality because you might be entertaining angels. On Luke 24, when Jesus is walking to Emmaus, the two disciples that were doing welcomed this stranger into the journey, and they walked and they talked, and then they sat down and they broke bread, and Jesus broke bread with them, and they realized they're actually hosting Jesus. Practicing hospitality is about inviting people into the journey with us. It's about welcoming the having an openness of spirits, having a, a, you know, hands that are open to include people in it. Can you go to the next slide, please? Um, Leviticus 34, 19 speaks about the foreigner residing among you must be treated as a native born. Love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. One of our significant strategies um, moving forward over the next several years, and it has been for a few years now, is actually embracing the migrants, the diaspora, those who are foreigners in their own land. And I know, you know Kay is involved with the vine and others have been involved in the vine of welcoming people in from outside. It's the heart of God to welcome in the foreigner. Because love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Most of us have been foreigners at some stage of our lives, whether we recognize it or not. Um, it takes that kind of welcoming and the, the fellowship. So um, can you go to the next slide for me, please? Yeah. So at the table, this is something I've been thinking about. I think it's something I've missed greatly during this COVID period is people at my table. Um, traditionally, we would host people usually weekly at our house, just inviting people in and I love it. I love that aspect. I think the table is such a great place for life. Um, it's a great place for teaching your children, for having deep conversations, for inviting um, people into the journey with you. And it's interesting. We see Jesus's examples of this, of inviting people, strangers and outsiders um, into this Matthew's house for dinner. I was thinking about this um, you know, the Pharisees and the tax collectors are there at Matthew's house with them. You know, Matthew himself was a tax collector. And they're sitting and they're like, why is these people here? Why are these people here? And Jesus says, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. Um, to call the sinners, not the righteous. And I wonder who sits at your table. 
that's what I think about oftentimes is who's sitting at my table. You have a story of um, the Pharisees, you know, Jesus is in Luke 7 and sitting at the Pharisees' house and being hosted. And it's a teaching moment where um, Jesus speaks to Simon and says, you know, there's that woman um, who washes Jesus's feet and uh, anoints him and does all this stuff. And the Pharisees are complaining and saying, what's going on? And Jesus says, you know, tell me who's been forgiven more, the one with this, this debt or the one with that debt. And the one with the greater debt has been forgiven more. So these times at the table, it's a welcoming. I think we see repentance take place of this woman being in the presence of Jesus. Um, we see teaching moments. We see invitations into um, faith. Um, and so I want to challenge us this year. How can we practice hospitality? How can we welcome in the foreigners? How can we welcome um, more people? Who sits at your table? We have a couple um, who were stationed um, for about seven years in Yemen. And then the civil war broke out in Yemen. Um, and it was a difficult place to live in Yemen. And, and they were forced out. They, they wanted to stay, but they're forced out. And during their time in Yemen, the, the wife and one of the children were actually kidnapped and held hostage um, by the insurgents there. Um, they tried, they were forced out of Yemen because of um, the civil war. They tried to get into Oman um, to be, because they have a real heart and passion for the, the Arab world. They were on their way there and their visa fell apart. So they're back in South Africa and they've been living there for the last several years, but they have a heart for the foreigners and outsiders and so just last um, month, uh, um, this guy, Philip, they went and they were, they went out to go and pray for people and to um, meet with people. And so they went to this Pakistani community. And one of them, the people that they actually met with was a, a Muslim man, an evangelist there. And um, this guy, Philip invited, asked the man, he felt led by the Lord to ask the man, can I give you a hug? And the man was a little bit shocked. And, um, and Philip asked, when was the last time you've been hugged? And he says, 14 years ago when I immigrated to South Africa. So Philip gave him a hug and they all melted in tears. Welcoming the foreigners amongst us. Demonstrating Christ's love to those who, who don't know him. Who are your enemies by default. I think that's hospitality. That's the heart of God. They also were, were, were sharing at the same day and um, they were praying and they felt that they had a, a word for this atheist man, a word of knowledge for an atheist man. And so they went up and they shared it and it said the atheist man cursed and asked them how they knew that about him. They shared the good news with him and he was so touched that he wanted their banking details to support them financially. <laughs> Hospitality, acting out of the norm, doing going beyond what is expected of us produces different results in different people, a melting heart, a feeling love and a hug in 14 years, knowing and speaking words of truth into someone's life and a response of wanting to support, engaged with people. We have to live that way. We have to practice hospitality. We have to welcome those in for us. This couple also cares for missionaries and they've opened their house. And every time they 
They have people through their house monthly. And every time they do it, the parents move out of their room. The kids move out of there and the guests go into the parents' room. The parents go into the kids' room. The kids' rooms go out into the living room and sleep on the floor. And they do this routinely because they're passionate about hosting people and, and encouraging and comforting and discipling outsiders. Many of the people that they work with are Somali refugees. So how will we practice hospitality this year? And then finally, as we just kind of close up, is leaving intentionally. Um, do you know your purpose? Do you know what God's called you to do? Do you know how you're supposed to obey him? Um, Luke 9 is one, of, is one of my favorite verses. And it says, when, as the time was approaching um, for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Jesus was focused. He knew what he was called to. He knew what to do. And I want to ask us, do we know what we are supposed to do, what God's called each one of us to do? So in 2022, I want to challenge you to seek and ask God how he wants you to be used. Can we go to those next slides, Caleb? Ephesians 5, continuing that same chapter, says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, not... Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We need to understand what God's called us to. Next verse. This is what Jesus said his will was in John 6. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will, the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up for the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Jesus knew what he was called to do, to bring the gospel to people, to lay down his life, to be that sacrifice, to allow us to be adopted into his family, to allow us to be new creation. We have that same calling to share this good news with others, but we need to find out how that, what that looks like in our lives. What is that expression? Go to the next slide, please. So a young couple here, George and Mia. George and Mia from New Zealand. Originally, they work in um, Ethiopia. They've always had a, a call for God, and yet they train professionally to do this. George is a... Uh, physical therapist, movement coach. Um, Mia is a medical doctor. And they've taken these vocational callings and they've gone to Ethiopia to search out for the Lake Tana people, an unreached people group there. So they have two roles. One is they run a health clinic um, uh, for disabled children. And they help disabled um, children learn how to move and to use their bodies so they're using their vocational skills and then they spend the rest of their time seeking out the lake tana people and going and sharing bible stories with them and hosting them and breaking bread with their muslim neighbors and sitting around the table with their young family and sharing the word and truth i don't know if you've been watching the news lately but ethiopia has been in a civil war um, they actually that picture on the top left of george and mia was when, as the time of the civil war they were breaking out, the airport near their place was being bombed. They had to ride their bicycles to get to 
um, the ticketing agencies so that they could buy plane tickets to fly to the capital of Ethiopia. They then once they got into the capital of Ethiopia, they were forced out and they have spent the last few months outside of the country and they just got back in this week um, because of the civil war. And they continue to lay down their lives for those sake of the others. So I've been thinking about this. How do we lay down our lives for the sake of others? How do we follow Jesus? What is it called for each one of us? And I think um, as, as that song talks about, it talks about going and seeking out the lost. It calls about laying down our lives and being that sacrifice. So I just want to kind of close um, with, with that idea. There's kind of these kind of five to six kind of big pictures develop our own personal integrity and walk with God as a new creation. Love God with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength. Love others. Seek out the lost. Practice hospitality and live on purpose. Let me just close with that verse again. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I want to ask you this. How are you going to walk in the way of love in 2022? It's a new season. It's a new start. If you're going to set up any goals for this year, I challenge you to walk in the way of love. Let me just pray for us, and then I'll hand the service over to Sarah. Lord, we are so grateful that you came, that you sacrificed yourself, that you obeyed the Father to lay down your life for us, that we might be adopted into your family as your children, that we might become new creations, that we might have new life and life to the full. Lord, I pray that as this year of 2022 unfolds before us, that we will live on purpose intentionally, growing in our own character and personal relationship with you, loving you at a deeper, more intimate relationship, abiding and spending time with you, that we would have intimacy and friendship with you, that we would love and love others well and love them deeply that we would seek out the lost, that you give us a heart for the lost, those around us that do not know you near and far, that we would practice hospitality, that we would open our tables before others and invite them in, and that we would live on purpose for you, the things that you'd call us to, that we would live focused and resolutely after you, for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ben. Yeah, you guys can clap for him. Uh, what was the name of that couple again in Ethiopia? George and Mia. Can you put that picture back up, Caleb, of George and Mia in Ethiopia? Look at that smile on their faces as they are headed to the airport. Did I understand that? Riding their bicycles to get out of a place of persecution. Here, here's something that I've been thinking about a lot. I love the scriptures about rejoicing and the lost. This last year, when we did our roots course, when we've been able to welcome um, some seekers in our midst, having meals with them, um, 
telling Bible stories with one another to see the hope and the joy and how God touches people in those places. It brings such rejoicing. And I just want to encourage us that um, when we walk, what was it? Walk, talk, and pray and open our tables to people. It's going to bring our community joy. It's going to bring you joy. It's going to bring life. And so we're asking the Lord that we will move into joy and move into the joy of the Lord as our strength. And it could get really tough. You know, it could get tough, but there's joy actually in sharing God with people in that way. And it brings new life. So thank you for sharing that. I would like to close by praying um, for Ben and Rachel and Noah and um, World Outreach. So I don't, I know that, um, if you want to come up here, Ben, just representing that. And if, if anybody wants to gather, um, but we're just going to pray for, um, you can extend your hands to, to Noah and Rachel and to Ben. We're going to pray for them. And so, Lord, I just thank you so much for what you are doing through Ben and Rachel and Noah and World Outreach. I thank you that we get to partner with people who are walking in the joy of the Lord as their strength in some really dark places. I'm thankful that we get to support um, world outreach and be part of going far with our love to the ends of the earth, to the dark places, to the places of civil war, to the places of um, darkness. And Lord, right here, um, I just pray specifically for um, Ben and Rachel and Noah. God, I know they've been in a severe quarantine, severe travel restrictions, severe lockdowns, and they've just been, they've witnessed so much heartache and so much trouble, and yet your love compels them. And I pray that they would get to see the fruit of their labor, that they would get to see the hope, that they would get to just come into a place of rejoicing, even in the trials. And I just bless them, and I pray for protection and provision and um, friendship for them, even um, when, when there's challenges. So I bless them in the name of Jesus. Amen.